Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special of No Country for Old Men, the new film by Ethan and Joel Cohen that's based on the Cormac McCarthy novel of the same name. I'm here with Brian Curtis, a contributing writer to Slate. Hello, Brian. Hello, Dana. And uh, we saw No Country for Old Men together just a couple nights ago. and We did. Both walked we out We held somewhat. each other during the uh, blood-soaked Yeah, uh, I, think, I think my clammy gore. palm sweat soaked into your side of the, the <laughs> armrest so. as well. I think I noticed that, yes. And so I think we both came out pretty shaken by the actual content of the movie, which is, as Coen Brothers movies tend to be, undeniably affecting. It definitely sort of gets you in the spot that it wants to get you in. Whether it's a completely effective movie is another question. But do you want to attempt a quick 200-word plot summary? Okay, well, you'll, you'll have to sort of help me out here. But um, crazed psychopath, played by Javier Bardem, on the loose. Right. Number one, Josh Brolin's character, whose name is, can you fill me in on that? Llewellyn Moss. Llewellyn Moss. All the characters have wonderful names, by the way. Anton Chigurh is the name of the crazed psychopath played by Javier Bardem. Right. So Moss finds uh, a money from a drug deal gone bad. He's pursued by Chigurh. And into the plot steps uh, Tommy Lee Jones's uh, son-baked Texas sheriff. Who yeah, the setting sort of... is important here. We should also mention this all takes place in West Texas, not quite named, but somewhere on the border between Texas and Mexico. South Texas, yes, I believe that's called. And uh, yes, so so basically that's it. And, and, and the killings proceed from there. Right. So then basically we have a trio. We have a, ch- a three-part chase. Anton Chigurh, Javier Bardem, is chasing the guy who stole his $2 million stash of drug money. Right. And... The only person you could really call a good guy, Sheriff Bell, the Tommy Lee Jones character, is chasing them both and yes. essentially trying to save Brolin from this unstoppable force of evil that is Javier Bardem. That's right. All so, right. what should we spoil? Well, to me, the grand spoilable <laughs> fact in this movie, the, the point that you know you can't give away in a review that's the most interesting thing to talk about as you walk out of the movie, is Josh Brolin's off-screen death and his virtually unsung end in this movie that has gone to great lengths to make him more or less the protagonist. Like we said, he's not necessarily the good guy. That would be Tommy Lee Jones. He's more the ambiguous guy. But certainly probably the most sympathetic character on the screen. Yeah, he's the one you're identifying with. He's the one that you want him to get away with this $2 million, even though it was the most idiotic thing he could possibly have done to take it from this unstoppable drug cartel with this (laughs) this evil henchman. So after following his every move in great detail for the majority of the movie, then somewhere about three-quarters of the way in, would you say? I'd say. He just dies off screen. He's killed, we assume, by Anton Chigurh, as at least, I don't know, a couple dozen people are in the course of this movie. And you see him, Tommy Lee Jones discovers him dead in this hotel room where Chigurh has apparently done him in. And you don't even see him in close-up, really. You sort of see his body from a distance. And it was only because he had the same shirt on that Roland was wearing in the earlier scene that I confirmed to myself, yeah, that must actually be his his character. Right. But it was a it was a strange directorial choice, a really effective one, I think, but an odd way for that that character to meet his end. Well, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, we should say he's shacking up at this hotel in El Paso because he's trying desperately to get on a plane with his wife and get away with all the money away from the clutches of Chigurh and the drug cartel. He's gone from across the Mexican border all the way up to El Paso. So that he's gone there with that purpose, number one. Number two is I wasn't... I guess I wasn't sure that he was actually killed by Chigurh. I thought he was killed by Mexican drug agents because we see them roaring out of the hotel as Tommy Lee Jones's character draw as you say the death is on off screen but then as Tommy Lee Jones's uh, Sheriff Bell character is pulling up we see these guys jumping into a car and roaring off and we see a few of their dead bodies holding guns in the parking lot of the hotel in El Paso I guess so I thought right. they'd we actually see- beaten Chigurh there and then Chigurh goes because he feels this kind of weird 
psycho killer destiny to right. show up there. But Good question. I mean, because you don't actually see him killed. I mean, I guess I had assumed that Shigur killed him just because Shigur seems to be so much better at killing than anyone else. I mean, there's, <laughs> well, there's various people that are assigned at various moments to protect this drug money or to find it. Right. And it just sort of seems like no one can beat Javier Bardem at the killing game. And he also really wants to kill Josh Brolin and has basically already told him, even if you give me my $2 million back, you're still dead. I'll just, I'll kill you just for looking at me. Should we try to spoil, I mean, the number of people that Javier Bardem kills in this movie? Yeah. It's probably what like do you think is a rough estimate? I mean, he, he starts 20? off the movie by killing that, that cop. Right. Right. He, we definitely see him kill Woody Harrelson. He kills Woody Harrelson. He may or may Great not kill Josh Brolin. Although the I think you family. probably have a point. Maybe it's supposed to be the Mexicans. That, but then Shigur is hiding out in the very room He does room kill where, several cartel members. Right. He kills... Uh, you see him three, kill three Mexicans. Okay, I'm at eight already. The three Mexicans in the shower, who, uh, who I think are not connected to the drugs He kills that anyway. guy that was on news radio, Stephen Root. <laughs> Not playing himself, obviously, but uh, he kills no him. No cause and effect relationship. He the, really hated news In that radio. office building. And we assume Stephen Root's Oh, yeah. Friend. Okay, that's nine. He eventually kills Llewellyn's wife. Right. Kelly McDonald, ten. He kills two sort of mid-level drug guys out in the desert when he drives back out there oh, with them. Oh, yeah. The way thing. at the beginning. Okay. Ten, eleven. We see him kill somebody else, too. It'll come to me in a minute. But we're already Oh, the over hotel a clerk? Yes. Oh, and the guy in the car accident. Maybe not on purpose, but remember when he yeah. makes the two cars run into each other. Oh, the guy who's driving the truck with all the chickens in the back. We keep <laughs> going. Right. This is going forever, you know. <laughs> so we're now, yeah, we're approaching Basically kills the entire population of 15 or movie. 20 people. I mean, and minimum, actually, yeah. I mean, this has been a season for extremely violent movies, but I have to say that No Country for Old Men <laughs> may top the sheer body count for one person of, of any movie I've seen this year. And it's not, co- And it's not a war movie where you've got any kind of no. killing apparatus. You're just no. a one man. No one gets sprayed in, like, Crossfire or something. I mean, these are actual murders on screen, most of them on screen murders. And we talked about how the Coens have never been sort of shy about showing violence. Certainly, and occasionally very graphic violence. We, we, our mind drifts back to the wood chipper in uh, Fargo. Well, I'm glad you brought up the wood chipper because that actually is always the moment when, in my memory, Fargo kind of goes south for me. It's like the moment that <laughs> the, the, the sort of black comedy, you know, this thing that the Coen brothers do so well, the, the black humor death, the funny death. I don't know. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, that movie. I, I, black comedy for me, me is just a genre that's kind of hard to hit. I mean, I wouldn't say this movie is quite a black comedy, no. but it has some elements of that. Well, that was what was interesting about this movie, if we can if we can just say this for a second, is that it doesn't, it, to me, it didn't have the glibness of some of the Coen brothers' earlier movies. You know, that sort of, they weren't sort of pursuing black comedy accent on the comedy for its own sake. They were sort of trying to tell a story, and it had some slightly absurd elements baked into the story, but they were certainly... I think trying to be sort of tone it down a bit, maybe get a bit deeper in their characters' minds than they probably would have been. Yeah, I mean, for them to take on a Cormac McCarthy novel, I guess this novel, which I've just started reading, I have to confess I have not made it all the way through yet, has a sort of a dry wit to it, but it's certainly not Coen Brothers sounding material. It's very much more mythic and manly and more sort of a Sam Peckinpah project than mm, a, than a yeah. Coen Brothers project. Not that Peckinpah didn't have his a little bit of wit, too. I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the wood chipper is a good analogy for me just because <laughs> this movie so, has, because this movie's got some wood chipper elements i think this movie's wood chipper is the weapon that javier bardem uses to kill his characters right it's a yeah. kind of like it looks like a pneumatic air that. gun attached to a something that looks like a, a gas tank right at first i thought he was the orkin man you know who showed up to kill all these people right exactly you know. it looks like he's carrying around a fire extinguisher or yeah. like an exterminator's yeah and then he has this gun with this big this kind of shotgun thing with this big silver apparatus, which is apparently like a silencer or something at the end. Remember that thing? And it looked like it was from some space movie or something? Oh, yeah. I guess that is what that's supposed to be, with sort of a giant pipe at the end of it. Yeah. But um, there was there was a kind of... 
I don't know. I guess to me, it sort of seemed the Coen brothers were getting a little bit too much of a kick out of Javier Bardem's sort of golem-like unstoppability. And that where the movie wanted to be, and in certain scenes manages to be this kind of study of the nature of evil or the human condition or to have have a little bit more um, on its brain than just a really cool killing machine, mm-hmm. then some of that hardware and the enjoyment of the hardware sort of took away from that movie. <laughs> right, right. It definitely is a movie that liked its guns, it's fair to say. So what do you think? Do you think this movie will be a hit? I don't think it's being sold as a hit. You know, it seems like it's coming out from, uh, isn't it coming out from Paramount's indie label? Yeah, Paramount Vantage. So, you know, it doesn't seem, but it seems like it's going to be, it would seem to me to be very critically successful and, and you know, like I said, a departure, I think, for them. I, mean, I think it's sort of an interesting movie for them to make, to try. And not maybe 100% successful, but pretty successful in its own terms. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, as I said, is extremely, extremely effective in terms of keeping you on the edge of your seat and almost queasy with disgust and fear the entire time. And some great performances, too. But would you recommend it to your Absolutely. friends and loved ones? <laughs> Thumbs up, says Brian Curtis. To loved ones? Wait, did you say loved ones? Your no, loved no, ones. I would keep my family far away from this. <laughs> It's sort of awful bloodlust. It's, but, not, you know, it's not Thanksgiving do, afternoon. Right, sophisticated viewing. movie connoisseurs, perhaps, you know, I think they can probably get some enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there's been a lot of westerns this season, so maybe this is going to get that same crowd, the 310 to Yuma, Jesse James mm-hmm. crowd in the theaters. All right, Brian, well, thanks for coming in to discuss No Country for Old Men. Thank you, Dana. And for Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.